Welcome to the very first episode of the Bookies podcast. Uh, this is a book club podcast where a group of friends uh, sit down, read a paperback novel, and talk about um, the events of that novel, the characters, the writing, what have you. This is our very first episode. Um, we reviewed uh, Pyramids, uh, written by Terry Pratchett, uh, part of the Discworld series. Uh this episode has some audio issues. This is before we got our external mics, and um, there are some audio issues. With that said, I felt the conversation was good enough to to put this out. Um, just a, a fair warning, past this point, there be spoilers. Uh, we're going to talk about the events, the characters, and most surely the ending of the book. So if you don't want uh, Pyramids by Terry Pratchett ruined, um, please go read the novel first before listening to this podcast. Uh, If you want to play along at home, um, you can, uh, uh, at the end of this podcast, we're going to be talking about which book we'll be reading for the next episode, and uh, you can read along with us. This, This is a monthly podcast, so you do have time to actually read the paperback. Um, with that said, uh, I wholeheartedly admit I ripped this formula off from another podcast that reviews uh, comic books. Since they do comic books, I felt that I wasn't completely ripping off uh, their territory. But I do want to shout out View from the Gutters, uh, who I stole this formula from wholeheartedly. Um, with that, I hope you enjoy the conversation and uh I hope you uh, enjoy uh, bookies. Uh, thank you. Hello, everyone. Um, this is the first ever Destiny Comics book club. Uh, don't know. We don't have an official name for this. I'm still toying around with names. We'll, we'll figure that out in the interim. Um, but let's real quick, everyone, go around and tell the listeners who you are and kind of what you do. Hi, I'm Maylene, and I'm a well student, I guess. Trying to uh, go to school for being a court reporter, and um, yeah, that's about it. How about the chief editor of Ape Assault? I'm editor in chief of Ape Assault, and a writer, and sometime photographer, and everything else. I'm sure. yeah. <laughs> I'm Wayne Abraham. I'm a state retired school teacher. Um, also, the uh, uh, current illustrator for A Bit uh, I'm Brandon Noel. I'm a publisher, founder, and a cartoonist for Destiny Comics. Uh, I am Louis Lopez. I'm a writer for A Bit Pulp. I do. A, I write a comic series for Destiny Comics. It, it occurred to me last year. Technically, now I am an author. I can say that. Yes. that is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Justin Stallard. Uh, I'm the facilities manager, and I'm basically along for the ride. <laughs> Husband of Bonnie uh, Stallard. I'm one of the editors and writers. And since we technically have our writing and editing usually at our house, you can say you're the host of Destiny Comics. Office facilitators. So um, this is our first ever book club. We. Uh, 
the corporation sat down and said, this is the book we're reading, and then we'll get into how it works later on. Oh, we're a corporation now. Yeah, we are. Um, but uh, Pyramids. Uh, Terry, Pratchett. Terry Pratchett. We decided to read one of his books because uh, he had recently passed away. He left. Uh, I meant to pull up the tweet that they posted when he passed away because it was a beautiful tweet about him walking into the endless desert. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, sir. Yeah, earlier this year. Um, this is why we chose Terry Pratchett because he's just an amazing author, very prolific. Um, we, after looking at the canon of Discworld, because we knew we wanted to do something Discworld, uh, Pyramids is the seventh book in the series, but the first standalone. It's the first one that doesn't. You don't have to read the others to to, to get a good feel of. Yes. Um, so, real quick, who, uh, the synopsis. What, what what would you say is the synopsis of this bad boy? Basically, I would say it's as if you were reading a book about ancient Egypt in a fantasy world, basically. Because <laughs> that's basically what it is. It's kind of like he, you know, basically took the ancient kingdom, like, a lot of the philosophies and things that, you know, happened back then, um, some multiple deities and all that, and just said, okay, putting it into my own fantasy disc world and changing it slightly so that you can still recognize, you know, some of the typical similarities, similarities. Yeah, a lot of you know, so, so you can say, oh, this, he's referring to this, but he changes it just enough so that you're like, oh, this is a fictional thing that... Isn't quite the same, but you know, similar. Yeah, yeah. They had a lot of fun with the names. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. And, and because ancient Egypt is sort of in, uh, like a lot of the public consciousness kind of knows a little bit about ancient Egypt, it was very easy to just glide into it. Yeah, exactly. Like pyramids and, and deities right. and pharaohs. Like, it's, you know, these are kind of like common things. So. Yeah, common things that everybody knows about, but. Public domain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you had fun with it at the same time. Yeah. You know, making it completely fantastical and just his own, you know. Yeah. The main focus being the young prince who suddenly is having to inherit the throne. Inherit the throne. And yeah, yeah, but you're missing the, the best part. He's, he's the young prince who gets sent off to learn a trade, and his father is chosen to send him to the Assassin's Guild to learn to be an assassin. <laughs> like you do. Like you do. It was very important that he learned to be an assassin at the beginning of the book. Yes. Um, I mean, come on. And that's, you that's one of my favorite parts because when it starts off, it's... You see a few flashbacks when he first gets there, but it is the night of graduation. Yes. You either pass or you don't survive it. Yeah, you know. There's really no in between. Um, that scene when he jumps off the roof and the roof is gone. It's a very hard pass fail course. So basically, he gets sent, and then while he's actually graduates, he finds out his father dies. So he has to go back and take over the responsibilities. A newly graduated assassin as a king, and he kind of has to deal with all the politics and being king and figuring out how to be a king 
in a world that's kind of stuck in the past. But he doesn't have to figure out how to be a king because no matter what he says, the high priest always interprets yeah. it. Yeah. Oh my god, I hated that. There was one scene in the beginning when he finds where he actually knows that his dad is dead. There's this scene with the seagull. <laughs> yes. I never quite understood the significance of the seagull except that his dad mentioned he'd like to be one. I, I, I get the idea that his dad was tied somehow spiritually to seagulls because that the seagull comes to um, oh what's the prince's name Tepic comes to Tepic after his dad's passed away in the 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 fight scene at Ink Warport right the drunk fight scene <laughs> um, love that um, so there's something with the seagulls and then at the end of the book. Spoilers, we are going to spoil stuff, sorry. <laughs> spoilers. Spoiler I'll put a thing at the beginning of the spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, uh, at the end of the book, seagulls ascend onto Jelly Baby, kind of like, everything's okay. Spiritual, the, the, the seagulls are watching over. Yeah. Also, I love that it's called Jelly Baby. Like, my, my first thought was, oh, Doctor Who. Like, Me too. I realized that it's just like a general British term for like what we call jelly bean things, you know? But like, yes. just, oh, cool, Doctor Who, awesome. I'm in, I'm in. Yes. Yeah. The first time I read it, I was like, am I reading that right? Like, right. It is Jelly Baby, right? The, the river is the gel, but that's with a silent capital D. Than J E L, yeah, and up there it, it mentions Jelly Baby, and literally Child of the Gel. Yeah, <laughs> it's just funny to read. It's it's like when you when you first read like you know the the name of the constellation Beetlejuice within like the Douglas Adams books. Like what? <laughs> well, it's like he wrote that entire backstory to get you that Jelly Baby pun. <laughs> you know. Like the the joke, the joke. Like I, I know it, it's it's he does a lot of work to set up puns. That and the handmade tracing with the silent P in yeah. front. <laughs> and, and I, I love <laughs> that when they're traveling <laughs> abroad. Anytime she comes up with a word that starts with the T, she puts a silent P in front of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know. Because it gives her that slightly foreign accent. <laughs> yeah, the whole accent, the whole accent debate. When even uh, um, the, the I forget his name, the prince, Tepic, Tepic. Even Tepic has that line where he says, "It goes, yeah, I, I do the same thing because an assassin, no matter where he's from, should sound foreign." <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um. So. Uh, I was trying to find one of the footnotes, but it's hard right. to find things in here. But yeah, so we'll, we'll go around. What was your favorite part? Oh God, there's so many parts. So I'm just like, that's amazing. That's amazing. I think uh, for me, I, one of my many, many, many favorite parts <laughs> is the part his whole graduation, like him trying to, you know, get through it, and it's like, okay, I'm going to do this, oh my god, the plane's gone, you know, <laughs> so him basically trying to survive it, and because the reason why I love it so much because at the end, there's that scene where, you know, he, he he's at the inside the room, and he's got to kill this, you know, person there, and he's like, I can't do it, <laughs> you know, I can't do this, and so the guy, the guy who's assessing him is in there, like, I'm ready, whenever you're willing to do it, you know, mm -hmm. so in an attempt to avoid it, he basically just, you know, takes a, sh like, shot, you know, facing away, 
and it kind of zing, zing, zings, ping, ping, all around the room, and lands right into the dummy. It's like, <laughs> and like, okay, you pass. I don't like these new methods at all, but you pass. No, like, oh my gosh, he was trying to avoid it because he did not want to become an assassin, and yet, by accident, he became an assassin. It's like, okay, I mean... Yep. Oh, I'm sorry, I was saying, in fact, my only complaint about the book is I wish there was more Assassin's Guild stuff. I mean, I know it takes place away from Immortal Park, and, you know, it's not really the focus of it. It's just more a general backstory of, oh, this is what he did before he became king. This is seven years, yeah. It's, but it's like, it's seven years of his life. I want more Assassin's Guild. <laughs> like, that, that, was like, that was just me, though. Like, I, I want more Assassin's Guild. Okay. Which other books talk about the Assassin's Guild? We just read um, Guards, Guards, which is another book. And in that book, the Assassin's Guilds are the villains. Yes, yeah, some of them, yes. And, and so I had a hard time, like, I didn't want to read this. I kept pushing off because like assassin girls are stupid. <laughs> you know, I did not want to get it. I was like, no. I don't want it. Yeah. No. No. I don't like hearing about the assassin's guild because sometimes the assassin's guild is focused on the bad guys, and sometimes, as in this case, it's not. But also, Lord Vetinari, who's important in the other Discworld books, he is very yes. mentioned here. He graduated from the assassin's guild. That's his backstory? That, that's, that he went to the Assassin's Guild. That makes that's a lot of sense. Well, so, so, isn't it, in the, in the book series, isn't it common for anybody of any... Of noble any families to send at least one yeah. of their sons to the yeah, Assassin's Guild. Yes. Yes. It's very, very, very well respected. Yeah. <laughs> yes, prestigious. Yeah. So what about you, and what was your favorite? I have to say the world's greatest mathematician. <laughs> <laughs> going through the whole first two, three parts of the book, and they do quotes like this. The greatest mathematician alive on the disc, and in fact, the last one in the Old Kingdom, stretched out in his stall and counted the pieces of straw in his bedding. Then he estimated the number of nails on the wall. And then he spent a few minutes proving that the that an automorphic resonant field has a semi-infinite number of resonant prime uh, uh, prime uh, ideals and after that in order to pass time he eats breakfast <laughs> but it's not until you're over halfway through the book that you find out that the world's greatest mathematician is a camel. Yeah. Well, but you have to go, okay, again. What animals eat? <laughs> and we're talking about a desert kingdom. It's probably a camel. We had the discussion. Well, well, here's, yeah. a, here's the thing about that, because before that quote, it talks about how he, uh, the, the greatest mathematician in the world, there's another part where he says, he forgot to eat his breakfast. So he's eating his, his, his dinner for breakfast. Right. And so when you think, when it says, oh, he's eating his breakfast again, you're thinking, oh, this is a guy who just... He's absent-minded. Absent-minded. Because, because this was later on in getting a little more detailed, yeah. detailed about yeah. the first few are rather ambiguous. You could be talking yeah. about a person, but, you know, and then you get... Yeah, so halfway through the book, and you find out it's his camel. So when they get to that, he <laughs> ate his breakfast. Yeah, when he ate his breakfast again, I just thought, oh, this is—he's still eating the same breakfast from earlier or whatever. And being familiar with this world, this threw me for a loop because I assumed it was somebody in the unseen university. <laughs> like, that's what I'm sitting there this is somebody, in the, I know this guy. This is somebody in the unseen <laughs> I know this guy. Who is he? 
not <laughs> you bastard, the camel. <laughs> yes, I love, I love the name. But, uh, all the cat, all, all the camel's names. <laughs> yeah, he talks about stupid. You know, it was a bloody stupid. Bloody <laughs> stupid. stupid lives in sort. You know, yeah. <laughs> all, the, all the camels all have names like that. Um, my favorite part of the whole book would probably be the puns. Like he, I could be said that. Any yeah, the puns. I uh, can't. Some of them drawn blank. But he, he. Um, oh, I, there was a line he was talking about where there was a, a woman. I forget the exact setup, but there was a woman who uh, would make could make in an, an ink port, mark port, or there are women that can make a man blush so hard that the roots of their hair change color. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just you know. Just a general play on words. It's just general play on words, but <laughs> favorite scene would probably be the king watching himself get. Um, mummified, and just him like you know, yeah, good stitching, good work, you know, <laughs> like just like ghost of the king sitting there, and the ghost even tells us early on like Tracy's his sister. Yeah, we know as the reader, the topic doesn't yeah, it's so, like, and you know, talking about that bombing thing, I love how later you know when he you know comes alive again, he's like, oh, oh I love my uh, stitching. And so and the guy, the guy who does the embalming, is like, "Oh, I've never, you know, had my work admired by the person I was doing it for." <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite portions are probably. First off, I loved the puns as well. I loved all the clever wordplay. This was just, it, it just, it tickled my fancy so much just reading this and figuring out how to pronounce words <laughs> and then just laughing. <laughs> right. So much you like. Okay, I have to say this out loud. Wait yeah. just a second. I have to think about this. I was reading it out loud to Justin. Yeah. So someone was like, wait, yeah. uh, what do you think? Kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was me, especially the names. Like, I was reading it out loud to Brandon, and I was like, I really hope I'm saying this right. right. Like, uh, this is how I'm saying it until the end, because I did not want to change the pronunciation three times. Me, I, I thought I thought Hermione as like before I heard it out loud properly. I thought it was Hermione. And, how do you say it? Oh, uh, you get that a lot in comic books too, because nobody pr ever pronounces these words. Yeah. Um, and then my favorite scene is probably the the descending of the gods upon everyone. I've always been fascinated by the idea of gods and godlike beings, like in, in a world of mortals and like. Just everything that they can do. Ah, that was just that was. I like that. There's a line <laughs> talking about the priests. They, 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 when the gods descend, they're like, oh, you think the priests would be happy? But it's kind of like a. Um, oh, yeah. uh, like the auditors. Yeah, the auditors. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh god. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. I like the puns as well, but I'd say my favorite scene is where King Kepikon in the 27th, I think it is, is woke up and he's literally pulling himself together. <laughs> he's walk around the room until he breaks a jar and find his eyeballs. Well, that must be my brain is just squishy. And, and, you know, and the gods are going all over. And he has a conversation with his embalmers. And, yeah, what was that one bit where uh, doing his best to impersonate the corner of the room? Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Karen's backbone was trying to hammer its way through the world. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, a couple of you already mentioned it. I guess I'm not, I'm not the only one. I, oh, I do love Tepic's assassination final. That's fantastic. And I was originally going to, but we already touched on it. The king, all the little bits with the shade of the king, walking around and talking to people, even though he knows they can't hear him, but it just makes him feel better. And then at the end, he's, you know, he and all the other mummies are rallying to help Tepic, and I just, I love all the, I love that. That's um, oh, that was fantastic. I, you know, they're like, okay, forget the arguments right now. He's family, and all of his ancestors help him to the top of the pyramid. And, you know, wow. 380 Yeah, and he just lived, you know, and he the pyramid and everything, you know. It's very, hey, he's just became the biggest thing on the planet. He's the pyramid. Yeah. Great. And the pyramid and the entire kingdom. What's left to be in the sense? I'm doing them all. Right, but as, so that, obviously, we touched on it a little bit, and um, that one thing that we seen. didn't touch on, so I, I do want to bring it up because I found it so hilarious, was um, Chitter's big pirate guard with all the tattoos, and Tracy, like, commenting on it, and then, and then once they've come to the Old Kingdom, I've just reappeared, and I didn't read that part yet, honey, but it was funny, you read it later, um, he didn't quite get through the end of the book, but yeah. most of it. Um, where he's literally, he's lying out with on his stomach, and the, the, the handmaiden teacher is giving lessons by pointing at different tattoos on his and he's having to just plug his ears, and the girls are all giggling and talking about it, he's like, ah, oh, that was fantastic. I'm sorry, but I thought it was great. I felt embarrassed for it. I was just thinking about, like, those poor little eyes. The actual pirate with all these erotic tattoos on him. Now he's totally like, oh, that one, that's really impossible. <laughs> <laughs> 187, I don't know. Going back to the one scene with the, the ancestors of the pyramid, oh, the fact that they were grabbing them and saying, well done, boy. And, yeah, great job. You know, I don't know if you've met your great-great-grandma, your great-great-aunt, or whatever. Yeah. And he says, he's like, no time, you're doing great, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is... <laughs> You know, wish fulfillment on the most personal level because, you know, okay. that hit me hard because I am doing research on my family tree. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like. Imagine all of your ancestors from thousands of years. years. Well, done. well done, yeah. Like that, that hit home in a weird way that I wasn't even like thinking that that, yeah. I was so well done. Did anyone hate the man besides me? Fantastically, yeah. Awful. You can respect his diligence and his, you know, it, but at the end you can tell he's just, this is just what he does. I'm here he for you. This is who he is. He's suffered from extreme case of one of the CDs. Honestly, I think that's why he's a, such a great villain and I love him as a villain. It's because all great villains, one of the things they have in common is they really do believe they're doing what they what is best right. for. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing it for the right reason. They generally think, like he's thinking he's doing what's best for his kingdom. And yeah. It's not his, but you know, for the kingdom. And he believes he's genuinely doing what's best for everybody who lives. And, there. there's, and there's a part of you that can even empathize with that yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah. At the same time, you're like, but you're so. Yeah. Do you not see? I, I was looking at the footnote I was looking at earlier was the one where it talks about 
Grand Viziers in general can't help themselves. They are evil, blah, blah, blah. It's the comment on Grand Viziers. And high priests are generally in this category. And it goes on to talk about Dios, and it was great, and I couldn't find it, but uh, I loved it. Because it's just a comment on Grand Viziers and, and priests. Philosophers. What did you guys think of the, the men with the philosophers? The guy who was paid to listen. <laughs> was he not one of the most ingenious characters? And the fact he comes up later with a bill oh, for his service. Some people pay by the month, but I know I, you're leaving later, so here you go. <laughs> <laughs> so good, he's Jewish. He's Yeah. <laughs> This is part of the, you know. Here's your footnote, Bailey. One of the two legends about the founding of Alcamore Port relates that the two orphan brothers who built the city were in fact found and suckled by a hippopotamus. And it has a large parenthetical. It says, eight heraldic hippos line the bridge facing out to sea. It is said that if danger ever threatens the city, they will run away. <laughs> That was awesome. Yeah, was he tricks the Sphinx. I don't think he tricks on the Sphinx. He doesn't realize it until after he's already galloping away. See, I thought that was more of like a legitimate debate. Oh, it was a legitimate debate. Sits there and, and well, wait a minute. 
but it doesn't work because of this either. So how about if we phrase it this way? And so he helps the Sphinx build the riddle. And then the Sphinx goes, okay, so give it to me. And so the Sphinx gives it to him, and he goes, wow, let me think about it. Is this the answer? But he already knew the answer. The Sphinx goes, someone's been talking. And he goes galloping away, and that's when the Sphinx is suddenly like, Wait a minute! <laughs> There's a roar, and he calls the camel, and he says, "The camel, who usually doesn't run until he's been hit by things, forget the moment." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and then he does it right. And then the kingdom, because the Sphinx is just roared. <laughs> it's like, but it's, but yes, that conversation with the Sphinx. Yes, I equated it. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, speaking of that scene, because this was a problem for me. Mm -hmm. The and sometimes I Terry Pratchett does this quite a bit. He doesn't feel the need. To hand feed you stuff. Yes. Either you get it or you don't. Mm -hmm. The scene where he ends up back in Jelly Baby, I found myself lost. Like, yeah. like, like both of us had to. I we both had to go back and like, okay, what just happened? Like, how did this happen? Both of us had that. He eventually, I figured out how he got there. The camel. Yeah. The, well, the camel and the water and all that kind of stuff from the dream. Yes. But I would have liked a little bit more explanation into that because it. Like, yes, a camel is the, the the greatest mathematician in the world, but how the heck did he enter into another dimension? He worked out the equation. He worked out the equation. Only the camel could do it, and yeah. that's why he wouldn't let the camel drink water. Yes. Because he knew the camel knew that there was water right here in this crack, yeah. he could figure out how to do it. And the first time, he got it wrong, so hence the scene with the Sphinx. The second time, he got it right, and now we're a jelly baby. I, I was just reading that earlier today, so yes, I can see... Um, I can see how it can be a little confusing. But then also, the whole scene, <laughs> I love when after the pyramids turned the first time, mm -hmm. and they first walk out and see the sky, they see the stars, because there's no flare light from the pyramids, and the stars are on. And it's, you know, the goddess is the sky. Yeah. <laughs> it's one thing to say, it's another thing to see her, her whole body. <laughs> <laughs> across the sky that she is the sky and there's stars and you know the beginning of the gods manifesting was just very very well written it was a little some of the gods scenes were confusing although i have to say reading it out loud because i'd read ahead a little bit and then i'd go back to where we were and read to justin the scene with the sun gods fighting over who would be the sun <laughs> just like oh. a sportscaster <laughs> 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 Or probably, probably. It was all hail so and so, probably. Because <laughs> 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 they don't want to upset the gods. They're not oh, I, 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 I,
that read in my mind was that Cinderella with um Goldberg and Richard Garber. I probably shouldn't interfere. Probably. <laughs> like, that's what went through my mind. That one thing. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> oh goodness, yes. It was a fun book. I, but I, I'm a huge fan of Terry Pratchett. I'm a huge fan of Discworld. I've read not all of them, but Probably half of them at this point. Yeah, the, well, There's like, like 40 of them. Well, I think 42. That would be quite the feat. And he's got one more coming out. Like, right. He was like, hey, yes. Well, and also, a few years ago, when he first was diagnosed and it came out publicly that he had Alzheimer's, yeah. he was like, well, I don't know if I should continue with it. I'll say, I don't know or four of them at this point, because I'm fairly recent to Terry Pratchett, like, right. you know? yeah. so uh, I, think, <laughs> I think maybe six months back, maybe, as, on the outset, I think that's as far back as it goes for me, and so I've only read a couple of them. The most I've had so far, as character-wise, most, you know, character characters I've read of were the uh, guards, the Nightwatch. That's the most I've read is them. I've read two of their books at this point, and um, love the guards. Love the guards, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I love uh, the thing I love about Terry Pratchett is that so far for me, I kind of equate it to my Doctor Who obsession. The fact that you know they say there are no bad doctors, just your favorite. Mm-hmm. I say the same with Doc, with um, Terry Pratchett. There are no bad books so far. Just ones you prefer, like oh, characters right. you prefer to read about more than mm-hmm. others. Like I say, me and Brandon, we love the, the guards. They're our favorites so far. The ones that we have read, you know, I like him over the wizards. I mean, I, I don't I dislike the wizards. That's okay. Moist is your guy. Moist is your guy. And and death. Yeah. The books that deal with death. Yes. Oh, so, death does have two cameos in pyramids. He does. Two. I only remember the one. There, there was two. There was one early on when the king, yeah. he shows up when the king dies, and they have a little discussion. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then there's one at the end. One at the end, when all of the ancestors who are no longer mummies in their pyramids, so they're no longer trapped, trapped as being undead, now they're really, really dead, and there's like 1,300 of them. <laughs> it's great. I, it's towards the end here. Um, you guys can talk about something else and I'll find it. So well, at, at some point later on down the line, we have to do a death-centric Terry Pratchett book. Oh, you're Hogfather, yeah. We'll do... Mort, Mort, Mort. I want to read it. Mort or Reefer Man. Mort or Reefer Man, either one would be a little bit more death-centric. Uh, I would, I would start with Mort, though. I would go with Mort. Yeah, which is good, I just bought that one, so... Death is one of my absolute favorite characters. I mean, he is, he is my favorite character, but as far as the books that I like to read with the other characters, because Death pretty much is in everything, um, it would be moist from the work. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the problem okay. with Kendall's, you can flip through pages faster. Yes. Uh, so Death always speaks in all caps. Hey, sorry to interrupt this podcast, uh, but, you know, we're a brand new podcast, is me, Brandon, from the future, interrupting uh, past Brandon and uh, the the bookies. Um, basically, I just want to let you know, if you want to support this podcast or support any of these talented uh, uh, people here, you can go to destinycomics, with an X, dot com, that's uh, Destiny. C-O-M-I-X dot com 
where we have all kinds of books, prints um, available, uh, some photography uh, prints, um, some actual uh, novels. Some of the, uh, the the members on this this book club are actual authors. Uh, well, most of them are authors. Uh, and uh, we just at Destiny Comics had our uh, last Templar graphic novel come out, uh, drawn by myself, written by Luis Lopez. Um, so uh, I just want to promote those those items. And uh, if you wanted to support us in any way, that's the best way to go about doing that. Um, with that said, I'm going to return you right back to the conversation. Thank you so much. This is most irregular. We're sorry, it's not our fault. How many of you are there? Well, more than 1,300, I'm afraid. Very well. Then please form an orderly queue. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Like, all right. Well, do this. Really, what else do you do except ask them to make up a damn lie? <laughs> 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 you already basically changed up the rules, so let's do this. Come on, let's very practical. You know? I love the, the the scene in the beginning with death, where. Um, King Tepet the 27th or whatever. He's like, well, shouldn't I, like, wait and be inhumed in pyramids and all that kind of stuff? And, and the death's like, well, I don't know. I'm not familiar with, with burial rites. Normally when I get to the customer, that's already been sorted out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, I used to try to keep up with the, you know, things. That, oh, and he's like, weren't you supposed to look like this? Yeah. Like, I used to try to keep up with that and make the appearance like it. He's like, you know, it just got to be too much. And I, you know, with all the different, yeah. so he just picked the one that was most standard and stuck with it. You know? Yeah. Like, the, you know, the cowl and side is just, you know, most like, standard. Like, you know, I try to be what everyone wanted me to be, but that's a lot of costume changes. Right? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <easy>. <laughs> Anyway, said the fair, I expect we'd better be going. Where to? Don't you know? I'm here only to see that you die at the appointed time. What happens next is up to you. Well, King automatically scratched his chin. I suppose I'll have to wait until they're done with all the preparations and so forth. Mummified me and build a bloody pyramid. Um, do I have to hang around here and wait for all that? I assume so. Death clicked his fingers in the mag. Magnificent white horse ceased its grazing on some of the garden greenery and trotted toward him. <laughs> yeah, death is amazing. Um, there was one book we I read where a man was incinerated by dragon fire, and his spirit is standing over the ashes of his body, and death is there, and he looks at him and goes, "Did I suffer? I don't believe so." <laughs> That's good. I feel like this was a very, very good entry point to the Terry Pratchett universe because it, it is it going back to Doctor Who, it is like the blink of the series, right? You can just kinda watch it just like as a standalone thing. Yeah. And there are connections you can draw them, but you don't have to. Yeah. And you won't like, you, you might be missing out on a little bit here and there by not making those connections, but it's not necessary for the story, yeah. you know? I, I like that. I like that. Because this was the very first Pratchett book I've ever, like, read. I, I knew about him, you know, but 
like the Discworld series, it was a little bit too, so daunting in it my mind. So many. Yeah, <laughs> forty-two books. Where do you start? I mean, and then what if you don't like the color match? Yeah, and right. I, I've I've recommended the Dresden Files series to people on numerous occasions, but even that, only like at thirteen, fourteen books, is still pretty daunting. Oh my god, I just started Dresden. They just get better. Originally, originally it was suggested that we start with book one. However, I said, well, you must know, book one has a cliffhanger ending, and it's the only one of the Discworld books that I'm aware does that. But book one and book two are a full story arc. So I feel that people need to know that ahead of time, because if they only buy book one, they're like, but but what happened? The dwarf just went over the hill! What happens next? Yeah, yeah, that's not actually how, but yes, exactly. It's like, what? What? It's like, you know, it's like the end of the first Lord of the Rings movie. Like, it's surrounded by the orcs and then it begins. And then it's like, okay, what happened? Yeah. But none of the other books are like that that I've read. None of the other books are like that. So then, you would give some people coming into it might get the idea that they're all connected. You have to read them completely in order, whereas Pyramids is one of those that stands alone. There are other books that stand alone because they, yes, the majority of books tend to focus on Ankh Morpork and the people there, the patrician, you know, Lord Vetinari, the guards and stuff like that. A lot of it does. Yes, and, so. it, and at least, and, and most books have at least one scene that takes place there, even if the whole story doesn't take place there. But there are a few that take place in other countries on the disc, and they have hardly any connection with that. You know, and there's some that I really like that the Linker Witches, I, the three witches, they're fun. Um, there's some really fun stories with them. Um, and he actually has a few, they're considered young readers, that it's about a younger witch. Um, and there's some of his written later on. But those, the Tiffany Aching ones, yes, they take place in the Discworld, but they stand alone on their own. Those can be read without reading the other Discworld. Yeah, let, let's talk about the variety in, in the Discworld. Yeah, there's... Action adventure. There's, you know, this is more of a coming of age. Yeah, like the absolutely. the underpinning themes of this was father and son. Yeah. Yeah. You have three sets of fathers and sons. <laughs> you know, um, two A and two B, and, oh, then, and their dad. You have the um, the embalmers. Yeah, his apprentice. And then you have, you know, the king and, and his son. Which one quick, I love the fact that the guy's name is Dill. Because it's like he's embalming, which is Dill. He's pickling. <laughs> pickling, yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't catch that. Yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, Gurn is almost like being like Gurkin. It's like short for Gurkin almost. That's great. Dill and Gurn. That's probably the Scottish word for pickle. Probably. Just. <laughs> but like it, the undertoning, it wasn't like in your face, father and son, you know. There was a lot of it there. But there was a lot of it there, and it was done with, you know, uh, each character. The none of the characters had father and son issues. It's just you know, the younger one coming of age and growing up, and the father seeing him, you know, like the father with the. The architect and the accountant. Yeah. He was so frustrated with his sons, but by the end of the book, in spite of all the craziness that went on, he's proud of his sons. You know, they're mm. doing well. They're building bridges now. This is good. Yes. Um, you know, uh, and Tepic definitely a coming of age thing. And even even the apprentice Gurn, he you know 
did some growing up there too, so it's good. Yeah. Basically, coming into their cho chosen or not chosen professions, you know what right. I mean? Like, okay, right. you don't want me king, but he's trying to figure it out. <laughs> you know, that, it, it, that was one thing that bothered me was the the ending with um, Tepic. This whole time, the the the, the Tepic story was gonna fix the kingdom, gonna yeah. fix the kingdom, gonna fix. At the end, he's like, yeah, let the kingdom burn. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I'm gonna... like, I just did all this. What else am I going to do? And he realizes that Tracy could totally do this, so she yeah. can do it. Let her do it. So Let her do it. In a way, the kingdom did, you know, get fixed, but, like, he didn't do like it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was a little bit like you're expecting him to take this place. Yeah, like, I was expecting him. He's supposed to and do what he's been saying needs to be done, even though he didn't really want to. Do it. Somebody he, needs to do it. But yeah. He has opinions on trade. Like, we see that. Yeah. Right? He has opinions it's on... It sounds like Tracy has the same. Of course, it's really subtle, and you almost miss it, but it looks like they figured it out that he's actually going to stay in the kingdom, and they're going to rule together at the end. But you only get it from the camel's point of view, and it's like the very end until you find out what happens to Dios. Yeah. It's like the camel continued listening, and they had more talking. And, and, he got and, then, yeah. and then they kissed. And, you know, yeah. so then it's like, okay, obviously they figured it out. Now I'm going to think about numbers again, which is, <laughs> the camera. Well, what if that was a kiss goodbye? You don't know. It just you seems know? like the way that it was phrased, it might have been, but you don't know. It thinks that to the reader. Because it goes, the camel's perspective doesn't care. The yeah. camel doesn't care. The camels don't care about people. Yeah. No. They don't care in general. Which is awesome. The geometry. <laughs> <laughs> the scene where they're all sitting there drinking in a feed, drinking the wine, and talking about stuff, and the camel he is eating um, oh, olives yeah. and stunning seagulls with the olives. And that's just like a just like a casual fact of life. <laughs> you can take seagulls out of your drink with your camel. <laughs> 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 Somebody who was that like that character had to be based on somebody he knew. Well, what was the character's name? Because it was a pair, it was a, a play off of Aesop. It was like Aesop. Yeah, it was Aesop's fable. Or, yeah, yeah, Aesop. Yeah, Aesop. It was a, like that, and then the the, the other mathematician. Oh, um, it, was it wasn't Pythagoras, but it was close. Yeah, it was like Pythagorean or something. Like Pythagon or something. Yeah, the the whole like him trying to figure out pi. Yeah, I love it. He, he's cursing the guy. It's like, what God would make this? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> oh, I'm with a decent, respectable number. the calculus joke when they're dealing with the time travel <laughs> and two that was calculus oh no that's what we Because it says the staff, it's the snake. Eat, all the snakes are eating their own tail. Mm-hmm. Like I think that was a subtle, like, oh, he's in a time loop. He's going to spend the next seven thousand years doing, doing thing. Thing. It's going to, you know, and Tepic's going to come along and then fix it. fix it, and he's going to end right back. You know, like this is his eternity. But it gives you the idea that maybe it will be different because, because something the changes. Staff changes. Yeah. Then maybe yeah. something else has changed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, so that's, is it the same beginning of this 
universe or is it the beginning of parallel or and that's the thing. It, yeah, he needs the reader going. Mine, but, mine but, thought, but, but maybe, but oh no. Sorry, my thought was uh, initially, and with the changing of the staff, it could be that he was blown like out of the Discworld loop and maybe wound up in Egypt on Earth. Uh, you know, which is and the camel herders and start then with the pyramids and stuff, and obviously things are pan out differently. See, that right. that's how I interpret it because I I don't know I see hope in that kind of like going going back to Dark Tower like that. Have we read the Dark Tower series? No, yeah. I haven't. Oh God, it's I read the comic book or okay. I started to read the comic book and it's bad. The comic book is yeah. So I I gave up after issue two. Well, I, okay, I'm not. I'm not going to spoil it then. But for readers who have read the Dark Tower, at the very end of, of the seventh book, you'll understand what I'm talking about in terms of hope. <laughs> um, but but I don't know because it describes the valley the way the valley was. Yeah. At yeah. the end, it describes the valley, and you've got a camel herder. You've got the camels, and then the herder followed by his family. So it's not like a whole group of herders. It's this one guy and his family. And yeah, it's like, I better, I, and that's how it started. Yeah. I better go explain to him about gods and pyramids and yeah. stuff. Yeah, because he's done you know. before. He's, 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 he's somewhere in the back of his brain. He's like the Mormon of the day, like, hello, if you had the good word of the pyramid, <laughs> you know. I would like to talk to you about our Lord and Sir. Sir! <laughs> you look lost. Was <laughs> <laughs> this a joke from the Muppet movie? We're lost. Have you tried hiding Krishna? <laughs> 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 Maybe you should try Krishna. It's a running gag. <laughs> I love the Muppets, yeah. Uh, it's, oh, it's a myth. Myth? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, are, any closing statements about this book? Let's... More. More? More? Yes. I've read this one. I want another. <laughs> Crash. Let's <laughs> 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 uh, well, I if you like any kind of fantasy, whether it's you know sci-fi, well, any kind of fantasy, I think most people will appreciate Terry Pratchett for just everything we've talked about, like his humor. Obviously, he's so funny. His puns, oh his characters, and the fact that he created—he didn't do what some people do. Like he created this entire universe, and you know, made it so that you see these same characters over and over again, but it doesn't get stale. Yeah. And one character might run through another story briefly, and it's like, oh, I know that character. Lordy Effing Johnson. 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 I, I, have, I, I happen to absolutely love Lord Vetinari. Yeah. I got some love for Vetinari too. Yeah. I don't know. I, we haven't briefed you to play. Oh, okay. Yeah. We will read more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously for the next book club, we'll pick a non-Terry project. Yeah. But we will get back to Terry Patrick. This was a very good entry point. I, I find it easier to like to like delve into a book that has a lot of like humorous puns into it. I don't know. It's just it it breaks like some of the tension. You know, it's just it's easier for me to. to it's like it humanizes the characters and the authors because these things are just so funny that like real world situations could have this kind of crazy the, humor. There's a lot of like, even though we're dealing with fantasy, yeah. there's a lot of, uh, there's one bit I, I was, we were cleaning earlier and I laughed out loud because it talks about how their gods or the universe doesn't like these things and they'll take them. And it starts lift, listing a few things off. And the last thing on the list is a check key for an electric drill. 
And it's like, oh my god, that is where they go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, see, they're going, well, I, I think that's why I was because I, I read it onto my computer. So Brandon Phillips and Two Network. And it just happened that he couldn't finish it and so he finished it today so he's working and he's walking around listening to this and it is a little earpiece and every now and then he'll go ha ha he'll start laughing and I'm just like what is this happening what part are you at please tell me I will laugh with you and he goes I'll tell you a minute then he won't get back to you one of my observations is Terry Pratchett is to fantasy what Douglas Adams was to science. Yes. Hitchhiker's Guide to yes. the yeah. It's just that Terry Pratchett is a lot more prolific. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just started Hitchhikers, and I'm a little disappointed. There's only like six books in the series, and Douglas Adams is still alive, and he's writing books for other things, but he just doesn't seem... Like, Terry Pratchett built this entire universe and kept building and building and building... Well, I think Douglas Adams died, didn't, didn't he? he? I thought he was still alive. Oh, oh, he passed away. Oh, away, I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Brandon. Oh, Brandon. He's, <laughs> he's at the restaurant at the end of the galaxy. Yeah. Now, yeah. don't you feel foolish? Uh, okay, now we're going uh, to... Any, anyone else got anything to say? Or move on to... Next to, time. Next month? Uh, okay, so next time on podcast. <laughs> And what we're going to do is um, I'll start and show because, you know, basically we're going to go around recommending a book. And then once everyone's recommended their book for next month, we're going to take turns voting. And you cannot vote for the book that you recommended. You have to consider what everyone else wants to read. It's pretty simple. of Mars. The very first John Carter book, it's um, it is public domain, so as far as cost goes, it's free to, to get on, I think you can get on the Kindle or Nook or whatever for free. Uh, if not, I have a PDF version of it. Public domain, it is over 100 years old. It is the, the thing that started Edgar Rice Burroughs. It is the movie that Disney did is, is all right. 
Um, no, it's completely different because Disney had to do what Disney had to do to make that movie. Yeah. Family yeah. John Carter, like if you look at the Frazetta art, there's nudity. It's it's raw. It's it's you know this is the thing that inspired uh, Star Wars, Superman. Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, the guys who created Superman, have said John Carter was an inspiration. This is this is a game starter. This is one of the earliest science fiction pieces. It's one I love, and I, I've read it a couple of times, and I'm, I'm not a, I have no problem rereading it. <laughs> so, and we'll go this way. So, okay. So, are we, is it just one or two suggestions? Just one. one. We okay. suggested that you bring two in case. Some. Someone it, else suggested. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. You okay. suggested one at a time. Um, the the thing that I'm reading right now that is so very engrossing is actually the clan of the cave bear. It's it's uh, I think it's called the children the Earth Children series something like that. Um, it was written in like the I want to say 1980s and it's basically about like it's it's a fictional historical account of like pre-humans like like essentially cave people you know and it's the story of this one cave person who is like um growing up and trying to like do her own thing it's a really nice narrative set in pre literally prehistoric times um and it's i don't know i'm just i'm so i'm so obsessed with it right now it's so good <laughs> um part of the issues in the book is that it deals with uh the main character is um it's like like Cro-Magnon versus what's the other kind of ancient man like a Neil I, I can't remember but basically it's it's yeah yeah it's it's like Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal the, the main girl is like different than all the Neanderthal people that she's with and she's a part of their clan but um, yeah she's she's adopted in and she looks totally different from everybody else it's a little bit like the story of like Tarzan actually okay it's it's just ah yeah, just look up look it up on Wikipedia just to get like a little bit of plot summary. It's it's cool. I Clan like it. of the Cave Bear. The Clan of the Cave Bear by Gene M A U E L I all I think. I, I recommend reading the books before you watch the movie. Oh, there's a yes. movie. Okay. I'm going to suggest Ender's Game. Ooh. Uh, that one was an interesting uh, story for me. The uh, about this young, well, it seems like almost too young boy mm -hmm. who gets this training in a futuristic world so that he can become a, this commander of fleets and uh, armadas to destroy an alien invader. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's his, this, this, deception that these people do to trick him into being this isolated, almost unfeeling machine and, uh, and only to become the, the savior of the alien race in the end. When I first read Ender's Game, I read the original short story that was later expanded and turned into like a bigger novel and a movie. Um, but I guess like it get, it just gets so much better with the actual novelization of the short story. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. are you are you recommending like the novel or the short the story? The novel. Okay. Cool. Yeah, no, no, no. There's, 
There is so much detail yeah. in that. Yeah. And so that would be totally new for me. Character, uh, uh, I'm not sure how to combine but the way they build the characters and the stuff and the, how time, for him, time is slow because of the space travel, but back on Earth, people are, it's like 80 years have gone by. Mm -hmm. It's only been like two years for him. I, I started it, but I never made it through it. So, good motivation to go. Yeah, this is a good chance to do that. Yeah. It has an interesting thing in there with... Uh, because when the book was written, we didn't have tablets and laptops. But it's, it's kind of like uh, some of the early like John Carter of Mars. Um, you know, it's the kind of... Imagine, imagine these things, things uh, like that we, that we take for granted today. You know, we have computers we hold in our hands. And so this this book is like that, you know. He, he, he was talking about technology that people would have laughed at you back then. Mm -hmm. And now we have that stuff. So this is kind of neat. Well, so far people have recommended books that they've already read. I was actually thinking of recommending a book that I haven't read, and I, I, I saw the movie that made me want to read the book, but I have not read the book. It's The Maze Runner. I know that it's a series. Oh, I haven't read that but either. But I have not read the book, but I, I found the movie fascinating, and I think that the book would probably be so much better, because it generally is yeah. the case, that that, and I don't remember the author, sorry, but I know The Maze Runner, but I saw the movie that made me want to read the book. So... It's, um, it's about... There's a maze. <laughs> it's about corn. <laughs> <laughs> you've, got, you've, got, you've got these boys, young men, who are, at least in the movie, I, I'm assuming the book is at least this much structurally the same. Um, they are in this, like, nice meadow area, some trees, things like that, surrounded by this huge maze that you can't climb, you have to... Maze opens during the day and closes up at night. And you have some guys who are fast who run through the maze, but they're trying to find a way out. Mapping. They, they're mapping it. They don't know. Mm. They don't know. They, they show up. There's a new one like every so often that comes with supplies, like once a month or whatever. And they don't remember anything about themselves for the first couple days, and then they remember their name, and that's all they remember. So you have these guys building this civilization, trying to get along and help each other, and grow food and deal with the supplies that they've been given and try to figure out a way out. And they know that there's monsters in the maze. You can hear them. Some people get, you know, they're kind of a stung or bit or something and they get infected and then they have to, they, they end up dying because they get infected by the monsters. So they're trying to find a way out so that everybody can escape. And you've got this one guy who thinks differently and wants to do things differently who shows up and he's kind of your main character. And, um, so it's trying to find a way out. It's like unimagined. <laughs> That's pretty cool. You you sold me on that in a way that the movie trailer didn't. Because I saw the trailer, I was like, nope, don't need to watch that. Yeah, I saw, I saw I the trailer thought, too. It looks didn't interesting. Me. So we rented it from Redbox. You know, oh, things yeah. that I'm like, I don't know. I'll rent it from Redbox. I'm not going to see it in the theater. We we liked the movie, and that made me want to read the books. So oh, okay. That's what I'm out there. Well, the book I'm suggesting is Odd Thomas by Dean Koontz. Now, normally, I whenever I got to the Dean Koontz section, I'm like, eh, 
you know, whatever. He's not really my author. Well, Brandon and I, a while ago, found the movie on Netflix. And we're like, what is this? You know, so we watch it, and it was one of those things where we turn it off the TV, and we're like, mind no. <laughs> so, and we, we were looking at it, like, oh my gosh, did you know this was a book series? Oh my gosh, this is a book series. Like, not just one, but, you know. So, we, I read the book and found out it was one of the few times that the movie is om- almost dead on to the book. I felt like the movie was the, so misused by Hollywood. The fact that I found out about it. On Netflix. on Netflix. I would have seen this in theaters. I would have supported this. I had no idea it even came out. Yeah. This guy, he's a young man, okay, his name is, his name is Odd Thomas. Like, he's you know, he goes to the thing. Oh, that is his name. Odd, it's Odd, you know, and what it is is he can, you know, Sixth Sense, see dead people, you know, he sees, you know, the dead walking around, and it's, um, what he does is if, if any of them died in a brutal way, he helps to solve, you know, like, catch the killer or whatever, and, but the thing is, he has to guess, yeah, he has to guess because the dead actually don't speak, like, he's like, you know, he has to figure it out and, you know, help them out, and I love it because one of the main characters you see from the beginning is Elvis. The spirit oh of Elvis. Yeah. not heard of this. He, <laughs> right? yeah. So he, he, it's him, and the first book is just amazing. Like I said, it's almost one of the few times where I think there's only there's only maybe two or three things that didn't make the movie. When did this movie come out? Like, 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 on Redbox when it first came out. Yeah. Wolf, was it? Uh, I know nothing of this. Willem Dafoe was in it. Like there were some big names. Yeah, there were some big names in it. Like only a few people know he has the ability. The guy who plays the main character, I remember. He was. Star Trek, he was he's, the, with Chekhov. The he's Chekhov, yeah. Chekhov. The guy from Chekhov in the new Star Trek is odd. I was like just reading the book only because if you watch a movie, you'd be like, I know the ending now. I, I can't read oh. this book and be happy yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you read the book, it's just so amazing, and it's him trying to just... Watch the movie after the book because I was flipping through Netflix late one night in my office and I like to put stuff on to, yeah. while I'm drawing. And it was in the B horror section. I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. B horror film. Don't have to pay attention to it. And then all of a sudden I'm stopped watch uh, stop drawing and I'm just watching this movie. <laughs> it is so good. It sucked me in. And it is you have to watch the movie. I go, okay, I'll watch. No, no, you have to watch it. Right now. I'm like, try to finish it. No, right now. I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. And so, yeah. And there's these creatures. Oh, yeah. And these creatures he sees called Bodaks. You know, they basically, when they gather, you know, crap's going to happen. Because they feed off of, like, misery and all the tragedy. So, anytime he sees one, he's like, okay, so that's going to happen. And then a whole bunch eventually, he's like, it's gonna happen soon. I don't know what it is. But it's gonna happen. He can't. I, uh, uh, if I understand right, he could. He couldn't let them know. Yeah. He could see them. You can't let them know. Because if they can see them, they'll like they'll target him. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So, but it's a little safer now. So like, yeah. really good book. Yeah. Wait. So. Wait. Okay. Um. I I just been mulling over a variety of uh, books and uh, I was thinking. Uh, 
Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Ooh. I do not know that one. Uh, it's, it's, um, interesting. Screw Tape is kind of like a senior, a senior demon, and he has a nephew named Wormwood. And Wormwood is out on his first assignment, and the person that he is shadowing, uh, makes friends with someone who belongs to the enemy. And is starting to kind of listen to them and head that direction. So Wormwood is writing his uncle and saying, uh, how do I prevent this from happening? You know, uh-oh, this and this and this has happened. And, and so Screwtape is writing back to his nephew and giving him advice on how to redirect and hold on to the person that he is supervising. It is a series of letters between two demons. And it is terrifying. <laughs> I, I'm down with, like, all of these suggestions. Okay, I'm with the voting. I'm going to go with Ender's Game. I am going to go with Odd Thomas. <laughs> Uh, see, so we can't vote for only gives John Carter more. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I see a problem. I see someone's eye. John Carter, the clan of the cave bear, Ender's Game, Maze Runner, which you can't vote for. Odd Thomas and the Screw Tape Letter. If we we should we should probably lay down a rule right now that if it actually by some chance does end in a six way tie, we vote again, but for a different book. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um. Uh, to be fair, uh, we'll probably read the Maze Runner at some point. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. I want to read it. So. Yeah. Um, I'll for I'll I'll for Ender's Game. Uh, that was my one of the ones I was thinking of suggesting originally, so over for that. Yeah, I'll go for Bonnie's book, the um Heavens. Um that's not on the list. <laughs> yes. Um given those choices I I think I would uh opt for Aunt Thomas simply because I've not read it yet. I've read Ender's Game. I've I've read uh, Princess of Mars. I have too. It's very good. Okay, <laughs> so we have a two-way tie between Ender's Game and Odd Thomas. So I voted for Ender's Game. Who, who all voted for Ender's Game? Okay, so we're out. Who all voted for Odd Thomas? Okay, so no, uh, we just everyone was again. Uh, between those two books. Oh, between those two books. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, oh, the pen's dying. I'm gonna go Odd Thomas. Um, I'm gonna go Odd Thomas. Uh, Odd Thomas. I'm going for Ender's game still. <laughs> <laughs> I have to vote for Ender's game because it's, you know, but it does not understand. All right, Wayne, your choice. I'm gonna go with Odd Thomas. Like I said, I. Not read that one, so. Okay. Odd Thomas. Democracy. Oh, action, yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Odd Thomas it is. 
So if you want to play along with us at home, um, read our Thomas. Please leave a comment, like, subscribe, and um, thank you for uh, listening to our book club. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the very first uh, official uh, podcast of the bookies. Um, so next month on the first, we will be uh, reading Odd Thomas, um, the Dean Coons novel about a uh, uh, detective who sees uh, dead people. Well, I think detective's an improper. He's a fry cook who sees the ghosts. Uh, one of my favorite novels that we've read so far. Um, we are uh, several episodes ahead, so um, that was just so for my sanity. Um, but if you want to uh, comment, like, we will respond. Um, thank you, and uh, thank you for your time. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this.